The Overview is a production of Chaman V TV. Find out more about the show at chamanv.tv. What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 56 of The Overview. I'm Chan Man V, and joined today by Ben Fishsticks over here. What's up, buddy? Hey, hey, it's actually 65. My God, we're getting in there. Oh, oh I put 56. Oh, my God, it's 6. No, it's, it's 56. <laughs> it's okay, Chris. I just got to throw some, some early it's shade 56. on you in the show, get yeah, the, yeah, get the tone 56. started. It's, but yeah, it's 56. Uh, Gosh, man. Things are going no, well. We had, we had a lot of really uh, fun Overwatch to watch over the weekend. That I enjoyed a hell of a lot. Oh man, that's an understatement. <laughs> and speaking of which, these two guys were casting and you know hosting and doing all that stuff during most, if not all, of that Overwatch that we're talking about. What's up, Gil and ZP? Yo, uh, glad to be here as always. Uh, last week, of course, hotel internet was rough, so I decided to just bring things back over here, and I brought uh, this beautiful man along. Well, you know, I, I enjoyed it so much last time that how could I? How could I? <laughs> not come on again i uh it's it's, it's not from the uh the convenience of your home though this time gil no <laughs> my second home yeah, your second is home. where we're he spends a lot of time in the studio don't worry about it uh <laughs> in fact uh, he was here for a meeting earlier before i even got in so i mean the, there's a lot of work that goes on here yeah yeah it's hard to work the green gil but you, know, you definitely do it do it well <laughs> but yeah we got a lot to talk about we got to get started i think just to get through um some of this so why don't we just hop on, talk about the game, you know, before we jump into all the esports and all the good stuff. We did have an announcement that uh, it was actually across multiple Blizzard titles, but the the Overwatch one, I, I believe, was the first one I saw. So Overwatch and Hearthstone both had something similar. Basically, new changes. Uh, Jeff Kaplan had a developer's update. New changes to the loot box system, as well as uh, an update to how highlights are going to be worked, or at least new features to highlights. So why don't we start with the loot boxes first, which um, they announced basically legendaries. If you don't have all the legendaries, then every new legendary you get will not be a duplicate. Which is amazing because I am so <laughs> yeah. sick and tired of getting duplicates, especially when events come out. I feel like I get three, like you know, Halloween mercies, and you know, I definitely have had certain certain events where I've gotten a ton of the same ones. So, um, so yeah, it's definitely a great thing. I think for this, is I would be really interested to know the reasoning behind how this change came about. It's come from one or two things: either a developers look at it and go, "This just feels unfair," or b. I'm really curious to know if there was a process there where they actually have data of, well, players stopped logging in forever after getting a duplicate legendary in our games. Like, we have data that shows that there is a non-insignificant portion of people where they get a duplicate legendary in Hearthstone, in Overwatch, and then it just annoys them to where they stop coming in. I would, I don't know if that's a case, but for me, I feel like there's a decent likelihood that they actually might have data like that, and they go, hmm, maybe if we just stop giving people duplicates people will stay more tethered to our games. It very well could be a thing. Right. I think so. It's the definition of a quality of life update that pretty much no <laughs> one's going to argue against. Everyone's going to be happy about this. Does it actually change Blizzard's metrics? I have no idea. I mean, I would guess probably not a whole lot, but everyone's going to be happy. I mean, there's something to be said for community love and appreciation, right? Yeah, and it's just another bit of proof that... Uh, 
these kind of decisions, whether it comes to loot boxes and frequency, are not made by, you know, obviously the development team. I think we always throw hate and throw those type of things and calling Blizzard greedy, and we always throw it at that team, when in reality, these decisions are made by a completely different group. And clearly the group is across multiple games, too, because Hearthstone had a very similar thing with the packs, with no duplicate uh, you know, legendaries from that standpoint. So uh, it's going to be great. I think everybody's going to be happy. We're going to get more coins, too, you know, as a way to make up. You know, they, uh, Jeff did mention that I think the bundles of coins, I believe, that we get you know, when you get like a legendary uh, box, mm-hmm. I think that will be increased. It's not necessarily duplicate um, coins will be higher. Is, is that what you guys got from the video, or did you think it was differently? I think, the, I think what they said is that instead of... Because you're going to be getting less duplicates, which give you coins, mm-hmm. there's just going to be more coins in right. boxes generally. Right. I okay. could be wrong about that. I only watched it once. I, I didn't take detailed notes, but I think that's the case. I hope there's more in each of those files. <laughs> well, yeah, that would I make think more that's sense. What they're saying, yeah. yeah. That would make sense because you still have the idea where if you've removed all duplicates from the game and you're only relying on the current level of gold chests that you get, if you want to get one specific skin, you might have to go in deeper, grab more boxes, spend more money to actually get what you want. So there's a little bit of a nice change that's added in there that wasn't necessarily needed to be done, but is definitely helpful to the players. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Okay, let's talk about highlights. That was the, the other thing that Jeff spent some time on in the video. Mm-hmm. So you have the ability now to essentially clip you know, different plays from the game and create your own highlights and then actually save them to a local file too. So um, obviously it's great for content makers and uh, I don't know, it might be overlapping with Twitch clips also then, but uh, what do you guys think of it, Gil? I, I mean, I actually really like it. It's interesting to see the, uh, little changes like this um, because you see other games fully integrate things like streaming and clipping and recording. and um, It's almost like an answer to the algorithm. You know, like, hey, if you think you have a better algorithm personally, if you think that was a better play than we thought, <laughs> now you can actually record it. I don't know if, how much I'm going to use it. I always go into these things thinking, oh, yeah, that's cool. I'm going to clip my own stuff. And then I always forget. You yeah. know, I'm too excited when I actually make an awesome play that, that the very few it- times that it happens that I just immediately forget. It, it wasn't just self-reflection. We went, oh, actually, it wasn't that great. Yeah, <laughs> and then I look at it later, I'm like, really, It's not, it's was... not moment of, like, left guy loses confidence in his great play. It's yeah. like, 3K was actually 1K. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty excited about the feature because I don't always want to stream because I'm tired and don't want to mm-hmm. whatever. But I always want to have the ability to go back and clip my gameplay. Uh, I mean, it's not all the time. Like, you could play for seven hours in a day and not really get a single moment that's like super incredible has to be clipped. But every once in a while, you have one of those moments where something completely absurd, hilarious happens. Maybe you have one of those moments, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Mercy fucking dies and goes straight up into the air. And th- those are always good. You, you want to save those moments. So I'm glad for that. Uh, but I'm not nearly as excited about highlights as what I feel like highlights are building towards, yep. <laughs> which is a more yeah. proper demo recording system where you could go in, watch the game from any perspective. You know, that's the dream. And we've talked about it on the show innumerable, innumerable times. But the potential for things like, well, for teams going back and reviewing their gameplay and watching from different angles uh, and, and coaches going back and, and, and from that perspective. Also, the frag movie capability. This game has incredible frag movie uh, potential, but because <laughs> there's no recording system, no demo system, which we had in Quake, which we had in Tribes, which we have in 1.6, you have it in Dota, you have it in all these games. Uh, that's that's really what I think we're all kind of, 
I, at least personally, I see this and I'm like, cool, but I'm really excited about what's after this. Not really this. I'll, I'll use yeah. it though. I'll say that much. Yeah. Is it really getting that close to that? I mean, are, are we going to be with, with these so. highlights? I mean, are we, I don't know. Are we able to spectate these highlights? Uh, no, right? No, so, no. I think we're still I'm far specula- from I'm replays. just speculating <laughs> my like best case scenario right. here. Right. Well, you'd have to think replays are coming in sooner rather than later. I mean, it has mm-hmm. been one of the most often requested features. It's something that has tangible benefits to growing the game on multiple levels. I mean, it's useful for the competitive end from a just functionality standpoint it's useful for the community end in terms of seeing cool stuff so no matter how you slice it it's a feature that when it is added to the game would be immensely valuable so yeah i mean maybe it means that the tech and making that more readily accessible is on the way i mean i would just assume it's on the way because it's such a valuable feature Mm -hmm. jeff's talked about it too yeah oh he's definitely been like giving us a year ago i think he talked about it well he he throws out these little hints every once in a while that there's they're definitely looking at a replay they're working on replay and hopefully we get it by the end of the year that'd be pretty amazing um okay so next bit of news is of course our recurring doomfist segment which is (laughs) when is doomfist coming out or is there any kind of leaks and all that good stuff well the most recent thing that we've seen is something that was posted on the forums and it came out of an error log um, from the uh, PTR, I believe, just on the PTR server. And they got an error, an assertion uh, error that had Doomfist and Summer Games in the same error message. So basically what people are thinking is that Doomfist is going to be coming out with that event. Which would well, which confirmed is, confirmed right guy actual actually doing this. <laughs> that's right. That's um, right. Right guy yeah. doing this. Yeah, so. What you guys could see is that underneath the desk, the doom fist was actually there. Like you're talking about the idea that there are holes. All, like we actually reference this on stream that there are holes in the carbon studio walls, and you don't know if it's true or not. But if it was, it probably was caused by right guy and his fist of doom. Yeah, he, he's nefarious. <laughs> that mustache man the killer mustache alright so what do you guys think Summer Games would, would you be disappointed if Doomfist came out in Summer Games versus BlizzCon because that was always been my prediction is Bl- uh, Doomfist would be BlizzCon I mean what child was ever disappointed that they got the thing they really want for Christmas <laughs> six months early Chad man like please point me to that person because that wasn't me oh man okay. I mean it just means we're getting to be great yeah, yeah, it just means yeah. we're going to get something else at, at BlizzCon. Yeah, so. exactly. Okay. With it. I hope BlizzCon's not just, you know, a, a total letdown because Doomfist came out a couple months before. Um, Listen, if it is a letdown, it's your fault for having different <laughs> expectations. <laughs> okay. You just need to lower your standards. If I you guess get so, early. right? You heard it here first. Blame Chan Man when BlizzCon sucks. <laughs> yep. That's it. That, that, that you guys better be epic, Jeff. You better have an awesome uh, announcement during BlizzCon or else I'm going to be upset. Okay, well, let's get into the news. Lots of bits of news, especially with teams and uh, maybe some players. Biggest piece of news, um, you know, obviously after the EU contenders finished up, we got an announcement that Ninjas in Pajamas is releasing their Overwatch team, which is pretty big. I mean, it's very, very big news, given that NIP has always been one of the original European Overwatch teams you know, ever since the beta, and even had you know def- uh, stints where you know Four Tank was huge. They were the best. They were the team that introduced three and four tanks to the the meta. So seeing this team that's been on the the you know obviously downtrending this entire time, us, us waiting for them to adapt or or um, you know figure out a way to to produce better results in the current meta. Well, it's gotten to the point where at least NIP as an organization has decided to release them. So another, you know, 
another organization in the long list of others that are taking a step back from Overwatch. All right, what are your thoughts on this, Ben? Uh, it's it's this trend that we've been seeing for some time now. Um, I, you know, I didn't really expect this to happen here. Um, I, I I know everyone's waiting for OW League details. I know a lot of the team owners are getting a little bit anxious, a little bit nervous, wondering what their investments, you know, what what's the point of their investment. I still thought that these established esports teams would want to stick, keep a roster around, even though you're paying the salaries and all that, uh, for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's still an esport that gets decent viewership. It's not, uh, you know, OW League will hopefully bring it to the next level, but you're still getting, you know, impressions for your sponsors. There's still highlight videos. The YouTube clips are huge. Uh, it's still pretty big on Twitch. So it's still like a viable esport. Second point is I thought that they'd want to just show their dedication. Like, hey, Blizzard, we're dedicated enough to hold our team until OW League. You know, we want to be part of it. This is us proving that. Uh, so I'm kind of surprised by this, the continuation of this trend. I mean, yeah, NIP hasn't, hadn't been as successful as they had been in the past. But look, the, the rebirth of this team, rest in pajamas, uh, RIP, uh, <laughs> they made it through. Yeah. And they're going to be in, the, in the, top, uh, the top eight of Overwatch Contenders mm-hmm. EU side. So I'm a little bit surprised, frankly, uh, that this, is, this trend is continuing. Well, I, I'm not actually surprised for a few reasons in regards to NIP. There's a few very key reasons. I think this is could have been seen coming a mile away in their particular instance. One is that NIP as an org has had disarray in their other games to begin with, where they've been struggling to reconsolidate rosters. And the trend that you've been seeing in Overwatch has not been really successful teams dropping their teams. That hasn't been the case. What you've been seeing in Overwatch, you've been seeing teams that have struggled to maintain top four go, actually, if maybe if we can't go into Overwatch League, we're not really going to be able to immediately sell off these players or sell off the team to another team because they're not really that great. We don't know where our investment is going to go here. So the very good teams are not getting dropped. NIP, unfortunately, had a slump for a long time. And I actually think that the way NIP as an org has just been having issues as of late, I think it's a testament to how well the NIP team was doing in general that NIP didn't step away earlier, but NIP had a sustained slump. They were able to get, you know, tread water and at least get in the top eight in Europe. But the team was struggling for quite a while, in all yeah. fairness. I, it wasn't surprising to me. Mainly, I, I couldn't have predicted specifically that this team would do that, although there's a lot of indicating factors as far as performance goes. But my big thing is, is like, there seems to be a couple different factors as an org when you're looking at what do I want to still be in this Overwatch space. And one is... Am, am I, as an org, going to be able to get into Overwatch League? Because this is no longer just performance-based. It's not like, can I be a good enough team to get into Overwatch League? It is, can I be a cohesive enough org with enough backing uh, to get into Overwatch League? And so if you're not an org that can do that, that's one thing that maybe you pull out. And then you've also got the potential of, well, now, if we can't be in Overwatch League, do we want to be in some of these Tier 2 or developmental-style leagues? Do we want to be in contenders? Um, is that going to be financially viable for us? Do we want to um, balance our investment into this team to where lower prize pools from smaller events is worth it? And NIP, it looks like they 
they just decided that neither of those were probably going to work out. Mm -hmm. And so here we go. And just to pile onto that a little bit more is that don't forget that Overwatch, in terms of getting players, players are highly valued. Salaries are very high in Overwatch already relative to the size of the esports scene. And a lot of it does come from hype for Overwatch League. So if you're NIP and you're really just struggling to rebuild your teams and other games that right now you want that you've been trying to shore up, paying for like think about it this way one is that the nip team wasn't this is only doing well enough to immediately perhaps sell off to a bigger organization and then two is that if they do start doing well how are you going to recoup on the money you've brought in when they start asking for a lot more money because players talk with each other most of the players know what players on other teams are getting yeah you're not supposed to tell other orgs what you're getting but the reality is, is that the salaries for a lot of the teams in the game right now there's somewhat of an open secret in the competitive community. So for NIP, it's sort of, uh, in a sense, it's a difficult situation if they weren't going to allocate a lot more resources in the Overwatch because they're in this weird spot where the team isn't good enough to immediately throw to another org, but if they do get good, they're probably not going to be able to afford to keep them. So, mm-hmm. Silver lining here for me. Okay. All right. We have, what is that? First of all, they went through. They're in the top eight. Uh, they made it through contenders, EU side. Second of all, Linkser has joined the team, and yes. this guy has always been one of my favorite players in the oh, yeah. scene. Yes. A very, very, very talented Genji back in the day, who I always thought uh, I was always expecting him to see to see him go a lot further. So I'm excited to see him playing with that squad. Still fully finish uh, all <laughs> all nine of them. Apparently, they have eight people on the roster and a coach. Well, um, they're yeah. basically the Overwatch World Cup team for uh, Finland at this yeah. point as yeah. well. It's- well, minus that that's time. true. Minus without time. Minus time. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, without time. I'm like, wait, who is it? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, that guy who's well, uh, doing some work down in Korea right now. I mean, that, that does bode well for the squad. I mean, that's a great point. They're they're the closest they're in the closest situation as any other team to kind of rogue where they base they almost have their entire full roster on a single team. So if they practice as a team, they're practicing for World Cup and, and vice versa. Yeah. So I guess the question is, is, you know, I think Gil brought, brought it up, ZP, you mentioned some things too. Um, you know, after contenders, right, we have World Cup. But if you're not participating in World Cup, then what are you doing, you know, until Overwatch League is announced, right? And I feel like, you know, Nip is looking at that. All these other teams are looking at that too. And they can always come back to Overwatch too. You know, maybe you don't participate in Season 1. Season 2 will definitely be an expansion. And then maybe at that point you can really get a, a good assessment of the investment. Well, from what's been publicly mentioned, you have sort of this three-tier system, right, where the idea is that the open division is likely going to lead in the contenders in some way, and then contenders is a place where if you're doing really well in contenders, well, teams that are in the Overwatch League proper are going to want to pick up new talent that's doing well, so you'd think Mm -hmm. that there is a rather tiered progression system there. But, I mean, you do have a point where right now it's sort of – it's a – it's a rough month or two, I'd say. It's not even that big of a gap. But I do think it's like a rough month or two if you weren't able to get top eight here. And, you know, it's just you do have those gaps every now and then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next up, we've got a letter from Nate to, uh, I guess, generally just to, to all of us in the community. But the letter was um, really talking about emails that have been sent out to the players. So, um, you know, this is, I guess this is obviously Nate's way of, of telling us that, hey, we're, you know, we're obviously moving forward with Overwatch League. We're, we're you know, moving to the next phase. And uh, this phase is basically the, the players that are effectively being scouted or, you know, like 
I guess, qualified in their eyes, you know, to be part of this league or be potentially players on these teams are all receiving letters. And he, you know, kind of goes on. There's a couple bullet points that talk about some of the qualifications, you know, the players need to have to be, you know, part of this. And just because you don't, you re, or just because you receive an email doesn't mean you're automatically in the league. It's just, you know, these are the group of players that they're looking at. So, uh, yeah, what do you guys take from this letter from Nate? And, you know, just in terms of progress of Overwatch League and, you know, maybe what it means for the players. Combine. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, why don't you start with the combine? Exactly, right? Um, no, I mean, and, you know, because there's obviously that's been kind of a meme, but I think that it's just another step in the direction of, like, trying to open things up as much as possible. I mean, we look at even just contenders having 700 teams in EU that signed up and like the fact that things it's are so awesome. open yeah. is they, they want to make sure that it, it, everyone has some avenue of access. And of course, this is going to be a very small percentage of players, maybe not even almost any at all um, as a part of this like email that are going to be affected by this necessarily, but it's, it's a very early step that you can take as a player. Like if you've, if you've made it up to that level, to tangibly say, hey, this is something I'd like to pursue. It also just means that Blizzard is doing proper due diligence by the people that have invested into Overwatch League and giving them as much data as possible, where, I mean, if you're being absolutely realistic, it is most likely that most of your players that are participating in Overwatch League Season 1 will likely be the players that have accomplished great things in Overwatch tournaments like Contenders, Apex, etc. Like, players that are proven, but it's also showing that, look, you want to keep your eye out for new players. I mean, you see it in traditional sports all the time, where... It's good to have a good farm system. It's good to look at avenues to get players that perhaps are less trotted. And maybe there's a team or two that is able to use some of the data gathered here to find a diamond in the rough. And uh, I think one of the things I'm reading b between the lines here, it wasn't really explicitly said in this letter, but one of the things I'm taking away from it is kind of affirmation for what I already was, my feelings were already about Overwatch contenders in that it's meant to showcase. I mean, I th they actually said this right out the bat when, when they announced Contenders. <laughs> it's a tool for showcasing talent for teams uh, to in and eventually for Overwatch League. Season Zero's in a kind of weird spot, obviously. We don't have super concrete details about Overwatch League. But to me, this letter even more solidified the fact that the whole point of Contenders and all the big leagues right now is to showcase talent, individual player talent, establish a pecking order from the existing teams i think as a tool to arm the the big organizations that will be looking to secure a spot in ow league with the knowledge that they need we're recording stats on all these players we're establishing pecking orders showcasing their talent uh, and yeah i think i think this even more affirms that for me well, I mean, one thing that's really important to know of contenders is that it's multi-purpose, right? Is that A, it's just competitive content for people that want to consume it. But B is that, as you mentioned, is that you are getting a big spotlight on these players. And one thing that's really important to know for Overwatch is that player data sometimes ages like milk, where just when you think you've found the next big team, suddenly the whether it be meta changes or just people changing all around them, they're not quite as good. So having up-to-date data is really important when building a very good team. I mean, there's no better example of that than the Yikes roster. Now, uh, Arc 6, where you take a look at them, there's a point where they were looking like one of the top two teams in NA, or at least the top four. Like, it felt all but assured that there would be an OW Contenders Season 1, and then what happens? People figure them out. They 
get game tape on them. How do we beat this team? And then you have a thriller where FNRGFE just executes a brilliant game plan and knocks them out entirely. So a team that you might have looked at as like, I want to pick up this entire team, is now a team that's likely just going to be sort of dispersed amongst the Overwatch landscape because I, it would be weird to see them stick together at six at this point. It's more yeah, likely that yeah. those good players will filter through. It's yep. possible um, yeah. because there are going to be obviously future opportunities yeah. to make it into contenders and you know, there's there's multiple layers for a reason. But yeah, I mean, organizations that maybe weren't going to get into Overwatch League to begin with that wanted to be in contenders to have that platform, you just have to find other platforms. Yeah. Um, and... I mean, one thing to note about this, and I know we're going to talk more about contenders later, is, yeah, th- this was, like, a, a place for the players to really shine. Like, the focus of this event was on the players and, like, opening things up to the players. Um, and then Season 1 is going to be more about, now let's really so- showcase the players, because you get a little bit of showcasing in Season 0. But that wasn't the purpose. The purpose of, C- of Season 0 here was to get into that so that Season 1 can really be that platform. Yeah. And right now, you think about it from a player point of view. I mean, it's most valuable to build your brand because even as you look at right now i would say look at the landscape is that while it's great to get behind teams the reality is, is that you do get roster churn in overwatch the final overwatch league teams that come out i'm not going to guess that all of them will be just complete rosters that you see right now i think there's going to be a lot of changing coming up so as a player the best thing you could do going to the contenders i mean yeah you want to win games as a team obviously that continues to let you showcase but if you could have good games where you yourself just look great that really gets your name out there and helps you continue your prospects of your Overwatch career. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see if a lot of these teams that we do see in contenders or just we've always known end up breaking out, even you just end up being picked apart, you know, through this type of process. You know, our, I think all of our inclinations are, it's not, you know, at least this first season, it's going to be a lot of full teams picked up, you know, six, six rosters or rosters of six being picked up. But what if it was complete? What if literally every single team we know does not exist ever again? You know, and and it's a bunch, you know, just combinations of six players from all of these rosters together. That would be a crazy, crazy world. I mean, I think kind of some exciting extent, in a way. But... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's more likely than not for a lot. Of t- I mean, I'm sure some teams really? will stick together so. as okay. a unit, but I, I think a lot of teams will get mixed and matched as you have orgs that perhaps haven't signed anyone yet looking at contracts that might be expired for some of these teams. And they go, maybe I want this guy, this guy, but I don't want everyone else on it. I, and this is where it's going to be up to teams to shine in terms of having really good management in the back to build these teams, because there's a, why difference, for example, between a team like Immortals that they did a big team revamp and came out really strong and a team like TSM where they basically have all the pieces of the now successful Kangarna team and they're not able to do anything with it. They have to release it. And then the players on their own come together and come through and get get in. So I, having really good management is going to be crucial for these teams going forward. I could even see a circumstance where Overwatch League is announced and orgs that don't have teams at all um, – they, you know, buy in essentially, and then they they are building the teams based on the information that they're getting here from, you know, contenders from other events, and so it's going to be an interesting mix when it comes to Overwatch League, and Overwatch League is going to be completely different than a lot of things I think we've seen. Yeah, yeah. And that, think so about I all no the idea, yeah. there's all these free agents just floating around yeah. right now that still yeah. don't have teams. I mean, there's incredible potential to to build. You know, we've been talking about contenders now for so long. We, we have a whole contender section coming later. But there's so much potential to build awesome squads, and we're seeing that happen right now with FNRG 
FE is basically like an amalgamation <laughs> of free agents and people from expanded uh, teams, and they are so hot well. right now. Yeah, they're loving, doing great, man. Dude, I'm <laughs> loving watching this team play. Do you know how much it depresses me, though? That I mean, I guess it's what it's like, but how have we got to an era where it's just like F or GFE? I can say it in my sleep now. It's just like, Bro. this is a terrible team day, Brad. <laughs> I think CP, I think you mean phonography. Phonography. Yeah. Yes. You're gonna, no. You guys are going to have to pick that up. I, I did give it the Jason bet. I'm definitely not giving it to you. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm holding strong. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, well, why don't we move on to the next bit of news, uh, which uh, involves a team and a team getting a sponsor. Yes, so, you know, a bit more better news than obviously teams leaving and whatnot. So we've got Laser Kittens actually signing a deal with Jet Smarter, supposedly around or apparently it's to be estimated around 500K plus, a little something over 500K. And I know me and you, Ben, have had this discussion, I mean, maybe even years ago, and we were wondering, why don't these eSport teams ever get sponsored by airlines? Because, <laughs> you know, the cost of traveling for all these teams is a huge expense for all of these, these well, teams. So Jet Smarter, just, just, just for folks, well, you don't need to talk about it. You're going to be up United <laughs> here in a second. But Jet Smarter's, guys, is just for those of you who don't know what Jet Smarter it's it's uh, described as in. in plane uber right a flying uber type of thing where you can get uh different you know flights and rates uh just kind of standalone rates at at different times uh so for laser kittens it's going to provide a way for them to travel for free in my opinion in, in addition to just that 500k on but private jets too on private jets too <laughs> that's Pretty sick nice. Pretty dude that's nice. so sick yeah ZP, you're going to say something about United? No, I, I thought there was a gap there. I was just going to say is that, well, I mean, I'm not sure United wants to sponsor anything related to combat. It might be bad for their image right now. <laughs> yeah. I, I would be surprised, though, it, realistically, if Laser Kittens flies coach still. I mean, I'm, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, to me, this, uh, this really just means Laser Kittens, they want to be in OWL. That's, that's yeah, what it absolutely. tells me. Absolutely. It looks really good on the team, although if you think about how it'll probably work out in respect is that I think they will get their flights. It's just bear in mind how that would work is that so if you're a private jet company, right, the way it works is that oftentimes you're going to have sort of deadhead flights where you are flying a plane from one area to another for a client that's paying big dollars, but technically no one is on that jet at that same time. So it'll probably be something along the lines of like, look, we know that this client in London wants to fly out here, but you know we're bringing a plane from the area you're in right now. So if you want to get your flight to London on this private jet, we will give you this value and you know count it as part of the sponsorship. So I mean, th there are ways that logistically they can actually have this all work. Where JetSmart looks good, LaserKids looks good, and you know from the JetSmart side, they're not actually just spending tons of uh, money on the sponsorship without it making sense. I just want to I just want to see Kibbs. Uh face on the, the you know the tail of the plane you know i want to see the whole like lineup of their their planes uh, and individual sponsored planes i want to see alicus's face i want to see a laser kitten up there oh man the laser kitten logo this, this winston I love this winston right here how ironic is is it that the the team that brings in the biggest sponsorship for overwatch is called laser kittens I thought that was like one of those temporary names that <laughs> right? isn't gonna last. No, like I knew it wasn't. I mean, maybe it could have been. Well, once they came out with their branding, I was like, wow, they put a lot of this branding. They really want to just make this a thing because that's how. They, how else do you get fans like early on? 
I mean, they're going to like your yeah. branding and they're going to like your name. Maybe they'll like your play as well, hopefully. But it, it is a <laughs> little bit of a like break from. Screw the actual, you know, real content. A little bit of a break from tradition of uh, yeah. U.S. sports, at least, where the goal is to make your teammate name sound as macho as possible. Uh, for the most part, I mean, you have you know the tigers, you know the lions, you know you have this like big intimidating animals. That, that, although then you have teams like the dolphins, where I mean, the mighty dolphins, dolphins don't really have much success uh, nowadays. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Miami. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Miami. Wow. Uh, okay, well, uh, since we've been alluding to uh, Overwatch contenders a lot, why don't let's just dive into it? Obviously, Overwatch contenders being a huge topic again i mean it's the last month two months now uh and of course uh, this week we ended up nailing down the playoff brackets for uh both eu and na so why don't we bring up the eu bracket and then we can just kind of start talking from there uh that's right here okay so we've got e united movie star riders singularity laser kittens one two three rest in pajamas which you know ben mentioned it was uh you know basically nip that's not nip anymore uh, misfits and bazooka puppies so um i guess first question is any surprises um or any teams that you were surprised that are not on this list hmm not really to, to be honest not, not, yeah. not really i mean there were there were some teams that i could have easily seen making it um team expert i yep. thought did a really good job yeah. mm-hmm. they were a, cl- a close one um Vivi's and then Vivi. i guess vivi's adventure and gamers origin <laughs> after week one maybe didn't think so but just out of, out of the qualifiers i thought they could contend yeah. gamers origin would be the big one for me where they had a good qualifier week and then they just completely fell off the cliff later on so it wasn't quite as good for them uh for me there is just the slight disappointment that the bracket is not set up in such a way that Unless they both get to the finals, you're probably not going to have the puppies kittens matchup, which just would have been hilarious on a casting point of view. Puppies kittens. That's the yes. laser kittens. And, that was you know, like, you that team was wipe. huge. ZP wanted to use the like you know. There's a huge bowl. both teams basically wipe each other out, and it's raining cats and dogs. <laughs> I would expect Actually, production that, to provide that. I can't take credit for that. Though. That's your that's your thing, Gil. <laughs> that, that's your you you wanted to rent cats and dogs yeah yeah okay well let's talk about i guess the different brackets then uh for me that man that first half that top bracket looks to be a pretty exciting one at least in the first couple rounds there uh more so than the bottom one with misfits and puppies misfits i would expect to get through i would expect misfits to get to the finals here um I relatively mean, easy too like i don't think there's much of a challenge there maybe we never know with misfits, uh, I, but you know, I mean, if I was a, a betting man, probably. But yeah, yeah I, um, I, I think two things. One is that you really can't take anything for granted in Overwatch right now. The scene is clearly proven to be volatile, even amongst top teams. Where we'll see a top team have a bad week, or we'll see a top team or mid tier team beat a top team with uh, an unexpected strategy. So I don't know if there's anything that I feel super super sure of in general. And I will say that Misfits has been very back and forth. We've seen that in results where they will put on just a really great week of results, and then they'll have a really bad week. So, yeah, I think if you looked at statistically, it's likely that they get to the finals, but there's also a lot of ways that they don't. Yeah, and I think that there are enough. There's enough talent on some of these other teams that I could. I am expecting some upsets, and that doesn't make yeah. as much sense. Specifically, I mean, looking at one, two, three, who actually yeah. ended up coming out above Mavi Star Riders, and arguably Mavi Star Riders didn't perform up to maybe the standard that they have in past events. 
Um, but it, you can't overlook uh, the fact that one, two, three has come out as strong as they are for even an unknown team. Um, but that said, I mean, Misfits definitely the favorite on that bottom half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one, two, three. I think if you look at the one, two, three RIP matchup that's coming in, I think you would be foolish to put tons of faith into RIP. Even though I'd still favor them somewhat in that matchup, one, two, three has been surprising. They've looked better than expected. You have players like Mistakes coming out of nowhere with really good tracer plays. So. There is a possibility of an upset there if you consider that to be an upset. Okay, well, definitely Misfits is coming uh, coming into this bracket pretty hot, given that they got some revenge over Laser Kittens, which didn't get to see, unfortunately. But, um, you know, again, like they seemed like they were, were back to at least playing well against uh, a solid well, team like Laser Kittens. Well, Misfits and Laser Kittens have just been doing this back-and-forth yeah. dance where yeah, it's a rival, you know, Misfits, they'll beat Laser Kittens, they'll do well in Qualifier Day, and then one week later, Laser Kittens will do way better against Misfits, and then another week later, they'll just keep trading off blows. So, I yeah. mean, I, I guess it's a little bit worrisome for Misfits because if you go on this back-and-forth schedule, that would mean if they met in the finals this weekend that Laser Kittens would win. So yeah. that's a little bit uh, scary. And one thing I just want to keep in mind for everyone as well is, I mean, this is, of yeah. course, the playoffs bracket for some prize thing and some, you know, just pride on some level. But all of these teams are going to be in, at least in season one. And that's really when mm-hmm. I think the fun begins. That's what I'm most excited for. So Yeah, all these guys qualified for it. So that's definitely yeah. a, a great thing that all these guys can enjoy. So Singularity, what do you guys think? Dark Horse or no? Dude, I just like I I need to watch the EU scene better because there's always always new teams popping up that I am not super familiar with. This is yet another one. I was just looking at their roster and I recognize a couple of the names, uh, but it's pretty cool that they're all from Denmark. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, three out of the six of these these folks are going to be on the actual Danish World Cup team, which is pretty cool. <laughs> I would peg Singularity as one of the weaker teams here, and they're going yeah. up against one of the stronger teams in Laser Kitten. So mm-hmm. I, that would be probably one of the biggest upsets possible if they were to beat LK. Not impossible by any standards. Again, we just talked about the volatility, but I would say that one is probably one of the safer matchups that LK should take in the first round. Yeah. Well, definitely would love to see an LK Misfits, like, <laughs> again, another rematch there, just because they've been having having these great, or at least this great rivalry going. But, um, you know, United, we'll see if they can kind of get it together, at least for this week. They seem to be another one of those teams that's like hot one <laughs> week and not the next. So <laughs> yeah. well, they didn't get hot here. We'll have to see. United was very middle of the road where, I mean, it, they didn't play badly at any point really, but they weren't crushing teams the way that right. you should. And that's actually one thing in esports that's really important is that if you're trying to determine how dominant a team is, margin of victory over weaker teams is a big deal where it's, if you're just getting through, which they kind of did, especially in week one of the qualifiers, it's not the best omen for your team. It's more uh, teams that are truly at the top they will go through runs where they will just make teams look embarrassingly bad for stretches at <laughs> time. Right. United definitely has the ability to win it all here. Don't get me wrong, but uh, their consistency has definitely been a little bit in question recently. Okay. Well, let's talk about NA. So let me bring up the NA bracket here. And just to kind of go through the top eight, Immortals, FaZe Clan, LG Evil, Kangarna, Renegades, FNN, FNRGFE, uh, Team Liquid, <laughs> Uh, Envision, and uh, so that's the top eight. Let's talk about the teams that didn't make it, okay? Because I have a list here. Selfless, CLG, Toronto Esports, Arc 6, which was yikes before, C9, Tempo Storm, Hammers Esports, and you guys get paid. So I think 
that's a bit more of a, a discussion as to like some of the teams that didn't make it here, I think, versus so, EU. So let's talk. I've never that. heard of any of those teams that didn't make it. They all are. I'm going to go look them up. Yeah. There's, there's many and teams the, that didn't make it that are It just hasn't been enough today. NA coverage, Gil. Yeah. I, I, where could you possibly have found out about these teams? But no, NA was stacked. And it's what made the group stage for NA really exciting and watching the storylines. But as mentioned, there were big surprises. The behemoth of a surprise, of course, was C9, where mm. you have a C9 core, which admittedly has been whittled down to just Sherfor and Adam now, but C9 as a team has been making very strong investment into the scene, and for a team that has generally been no lower than four and very often two, to not even get into the top eight for contenders is a big blow to their fans and a big blow to the organization. I mean, it's massive. Yeah. yeah, I would say borderline disaster for this yes. squad. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I agree. With I, that. I actually, I actually disagree with that. Wow, um, okay. a, a little bit. Um, I mean, obviously, a disaster from a maybe results perspective. Like, how could they be performing this bad? But I, I think if you're an org like Cloud Nine, um, I, I think they probably have their sights set on Owl. And so at this point, um, this is more of a it's a, it's a much smaller thing to for them not to be in contenders obviously it would give them a lot of brand presence over the next you know during season 1 um and wh- whatever else happens before Overwatch League but th- we're going to their their brand is big enough and and if they're already invested in Overwatch League that's probably what they're thinking of from an organization perspective. Oh, sure, sure. I, yeah, I completely no agree that, about that this yeah. is for, for C9 as an org, this is just a bump in the road. I'm talking yeah. about the roster. The, the itself, players, though. yeah. Like, yeah. how could you lose this? You know? yeah, the other and, thing, and, too, is that, that one thing that's, I think, worth noting here, and this is a little bit Machiavellian, but it is how esports work, is that the slots of contenders will belong to the teams that have them, right? Well, you do have the part here where you have some unsponsored teams that are in here, like FNRGFE. C9 could get back into contenders by simply buying out the roster of one of these teams, mixing and matching a few of their spots, and then, bam, C9 is back at the contenders. So, I mean, they're, yeah, that's, they're that's somewhat lucky in the sense that you have some unsponsored teams in here because C9, if they're really serious about this, which they are, I think that that's actually a more likely power play than not. Yeah, but that's just, I mean, that's formality more so than it is reality, you know, like whether they deserve to be in there or not. Um, I mean, I think for, I agree with Ben. I think it's actually a, a huge disaster for them. Given that, I mean, we had all this fun smack talking too that was going on during the week, you know, between Michael and, I mean, Kaiser smack talk is like, mm, grade A, man, yeah. with some of those tweets. Kaiser is the best memer. Oh my God. Well, he's one so of the top memers. He has to compete with like Arts here, who <laughs> basically quick competitive Overwatch to become... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, you know, having that kind of grudge match and you know having it go wrong for you, that's definitely not good, you know. And then on top of that, we had Dipe, who's the Congarna's coach, even giving a little insight into, I guess, what they were doing or maybe just generally preparing for, um, you, you know, a series whenever they have it or some kind of group stages. And you know, a lot has to do with map picking or just who gets to pick first and knowing which maps you're going to play, and um, you know given the week leading up to it or the weeks leading up to it, you have to schedule your practices or at least make them as efficient as possible to work on those maps that you know you're going to be playing. And, you know, there were definitely, in that article, he was alluding to, you know, C9 obviously not doing that in some ways or didn't seem to be prepared or didn't know that they had first pick or not first pick on some of these, some of these things. So you have all these things kind of building up. And, you know, how many times, like how long do we have to wait for C9 to actually live up to potential. I mean, they have not yet. And it's like, it's so frustrating because I'm I, I rooting they were, for them. 
I like rooting for them yeah, too. I when, they, when they were leaving to go to Apex, everyone was riding that C9 train, and like before they went to Apex, Immortals beat them like pretty handily, and I'm like. This C9, I mean, they're they're not what everyone thinks they are. I mean, they, you know, they obviously have been up there, but they're another team that we need to see them really stand out um, for an extended period of time. I mean, even like teams like Selfless, that that's the biggest one of the bigger upsets here is Selfless kind of going down in this one. I mean, it was well, it was hard, but it, they they just haven't been performing lately. But they, they I, gee, I wonder why. Yeah. It's almost as if they had a cataclysmic <laughs> roster change. I mean, I, I don't know. It just. Do, do you know that the Bulls, when Michael Jordan went off to play baseball, had a downturn, Gil? Do you, they, they, they weren't they quite as good. They him with a solid player, though, but, but he's uh, not different. Uh, yeah, yeah, they were not Well, and it's the worst time. I Because I think they could easily get back on the upturn very quickly mm-hmm. as they adapt a new person into their roster. Um, DeFran obviously you know, being a major part of that. But the fact that it happened right before, they didn't have any time to yeah. recover. So. Look, I'm not going to name any names here specifically, but I'll just say that generally speaking, pro players are very, they have egos about themselves, right? Where they, when evaluating other players, it's like, oh, that guy's good, but I'm not sure he's better than me type of stuff. There were very notable DPS players that would, you know, talk to about DeFran. They're just like, this guy is incredible. Like he is very arguably the best soldier in the game. This came from people that generally speaking, do not want to give credit to other players. So it's, you can say it's like, oh, they place it with a strong player. Okay, mm-hmm. it's not Defran. <laughs> it's not even remotely close to Defran. So, uh, yeah, it's not really that big of a surprise that Selfless uh, went into the toilet. Yeah, and in my opinion, Defran, the Carpe is a is a very good replacement, about as good as you could hope for on such short notice. Right. But the, I mean, this roster, they've been playing the Roadhog Reinhardt strategy. That's when they were dominant. Was with that composition. So they've been forced out of that. Emong has had to be playing just Winston 24-7, which he hasn't looked as comfortable with. Uh, so I would say Selfless, I'm a big fan of this team. I'm sad about them dropping out, uh, but it's actually not a huge surprise to me in this mm-hmm. case. Yeah, I would agree with yeah. that. Um, so you guys did allude to something, not you know, just like kind of last point on, on C9. A few of the, you know, you guys on the, on the desk mentioned, you know, wondering about just some of the moves they made, you know, like going into that last night, or at least that last match with Kangarna, switching, say, you know, Gods and Zephyr, for instance, Divan Tracer, and as well as just Surefort dominating on Pharah in that first, you know, first part of Oasis, and then yeah. switching to Genji, right? Or, uh, or just switching to, yeah. just switching off Pharah, given that he's like the best Pharah right now. Well, and I feel like we, we see, we see this happen to Renegades as well. They're another team that like, they'll, I feel like they have something that would work, but they just pick something else. I don't know if it, it's just the individual players thinking, I want to play this, or this wasn't working and not really seeing that it was. I, I It's hard to say, but yeah, I definitely feel like there was some decision-making that could have uh, changed the outcome of that one. It's part where I wonder if C9 outthought themselves to some extent there. I also, uh, one thing I'll say that C9 was struggling to find their footing, what they were comfortable with, but... I think if one thing actually hurt them rather severely in the contenders in retrospect is that I'm not sure them going to take over was, I mean, it's it, the problem is that they had committed the takeover before contenders was announced. Right. So right. it caught them by surprise, but I actually don't think takeover did them a lot of favors. Cause you stop and think about that, where it is a lot of fatigue where you have to travel out there in advance. You have to get back. You have Kaiser who basically went through the rigor going from Korea <laughs> yeah. then directly to Germany. I, I do think that 
C9 might have performed a little bit better if they were just able to boot camp at home and focus in and just get bigger scrim blocks. I mean, this is just my theory, but it, it just seemed like they didn't have the preparation that they normally did. And I just wonder if some of their recent travel scheduling combined with the last moment roster swaps kind of all came together in yeah. a not so great way for them. Right. Well, a lot of people are saying it. We, we mentioned already, uh, obviously on garden, you'd be dumb if you don't play pharmacy in, in this current meta. Like yeah. garden is probably the best point, maybe in the entire game for pharmacy, but city center is the one where they didn't run pharmacy. Yeah. And that was what surprised a lot of people, myself included. Then, yeah, you're right. I mean, we saw God, we saw Surfor playing Genji. We all know he's a great Genji, but that, that was, we were all kind of scratching our heads about that. Then we saw everyone just kind of switch, sw swapping around in a way that didn't seem like it made a lot of sense. Like obviously, uh, Bishop knows what's been going on in the in, behind the scenes in the scrims and made that decision, or somebody made that decision. And there's a lot of context that we don't have, but it just seems weird from an outsider's yeah. perspective. It could be your classic case of looking like a genius versus looking dumb, you know, like based on results there. So, well, I will note as far as uh, FN or sorry, as far as it goes to deal with fair mercy, is that you look at teams like FN or GFE, you don't always need. A fair mercy in some of these maps. I mean, there's plenty of ways of dealing with it. I actually think fair mercy is probably in a really good spot right now, meta wise, because mm -hmm. you see it somewhat often. It's not always dominant. There are counters to it. It's not, and it's not a thing where a team can get away with really running fair mercy every stage. So I don't know. I don't think a team is even on the stage is good at. Like you don't have to run it to win maps. I actually yeah, think it's I in agree. a good mm -hmm. spot now. So I, I, I won't ding a team too much for not running a fair mercy on a setup. Yeah. The only thing I just wonder a C9 is that they're pretty good at running it. And if the other team hasn't stopped you, why not keep running it? And, and that's the main thing. It's like yeah. you play at one point, it works. Maybe keep playing with works. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm not an expert. At least for I'm at least keep... the beginning of that next one, right? Yeah. Just to see. Right. Um, okay, so well, enough uh, of the teams that didn't make it. Let's talk about the teams that actually yeah. made it. And man, this first round, whew, there's some good matchups here. I, mean, I think yeah, every one it, of these well, matchups are great. So Yeah. Uh, well, keep I will in mind that only oh sorry six of these teams by the way no, make it go. into season one yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so there's a little bit of fuzziness around that right. and basically the way that's going to work is that the four teams that lose in that first round are going to play in like a, an elimination bracket off stream just to yeah. see who are the truly the top six so yeah there's a lot of intrigue here to begin with I will say that going in when I look at this bracket and I look at recent adjustments I do think that credit where credit is due to Immortals, where their recent, I mean, they've made some changes in management and Immortals, they've looked really good. Not just like somewhat good, but I mean, they've looked amazing where they went from a team that could barely dive in because just the coordination wasn't there. You replace Nomi, you replace Ethan, you bring in Fate and Kareev, and suddenly they're world beaters. They are the team that has really looked to be a juggernaut here. And I got to say, even though FaZe had a good qualifying week, I don't think their group stages were as impressive. And it's another case where for FaZe, they come out with a new roster. It really catches people off guard. Now people know how this new combination of players plays. Immortals seemingly bolstered by a new coaching staff. Uh, I think it's going to be rough going for FaZe in round one. Yeah, I mean, outside of just that tie that they ended ended with Immortals, I think hands down they were, they were the best team like during, during groups. So I agree with you there. I think Immortals has a, an advantage there. Uh, LG Evil Kangarna, man, that's an interesting one too. <laughs> I think, <laughs> well, especially because LG Evil had arguably the easiest group, so they've been living in a bubble. So we, right. it's hard to tell <laughs> just based off the group stage how strong they are. And they're another one of those teams that 
sometimes they really wrap their head around exactly what works really well and they all play well. And then sometimes they just, I mean, I feel like they always have a pretty good grasp around what works, but then they just can't execute on it. So it's hard to say. I wanted to mention it on desk, but the opportunity kind of passed me by is that, Gil, did you not get Carbon Series flashbacks where you're looking at that and just see, oh, LG Evil, really good record here in the group stages, (laughs) looking phenomenal, and then... Of course, you've got to the playoffs in Overwatch Carbon Series, yeah. and uh, they weren't able to bring it all home. But, I mean, LG Evil, I think the key for them is that they finally adapted to the dive-year meta. There was a time where mm-hmm. yeah. they really – it took them a while to really get a full adaptation to it. But finally, you have Rob for 20 and Super working much better together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake, uh, at a time, I think was a little bit on a downward slump, but now he's brought things back up. So LG Evil seems to be peaking at the right time. And for me, I still see Kangarna as a wild card. They were able to beat C9, but I, I don't know. I wouldn't really be surprised at anything from Kangarna from losses to wins. Yeah, I think the rest is good, actually, for LG Evil. So expecting LG Evil to get through that one. Um, Renegades, FNRGFE. So this one's intriguing. Renegades, again, you know, they've been, they've been having some good moments recently, and they're an up-and-down team. If they're at a high right now, it just could bode well for them. But again, FNRG... F-N-R-G-F-E. Gosh, I, I had not have to say bits. it as many times. I don't have to say it as many times <laughs> as you guys. But, um, you know, they're they're off of a little bit of a, a or at least a, a great match against Immortals, you know, tying Immortals. So, uh, yeah, what do you guys think here? Uh, honestly, I wish I had seen Cloud9 versus Renegades because that was one <laughs> of the most important yeah. matches in that group that was the reason that Cloud9 didn't, move on from that group was the fact that renegades is able to beat them 3-1 renegades is a team that has been in a lull for many months like this team has not had any good very good uh performances the best performance they've had in months was third place at carbon series i believe or was it carbon series uh, i can't quite remember no uh, but, carbon series no, is uh, i think it was a one was carbon series actually they were somewhat disappointing yeah, well, they took home third, it looks like, according to Liquipedia. Um, oh, okay. So, yeah, this team has been in a lull. Like, that's literally the best tournament result they even have in 2017. Uh, and here they come really, really strong. Uh, I just wish I had seen that match to, to kind of get a gauge on it. Uh, I think it's still a big wild card, just because simply we haven't seen this team play uh, enough, unfortunately. Well... I think with Renegades, they were really hurt for a long time by just their tanks not being on the same page with the rest of their team. Uh, when they were playing with Juvenile, but whether it be on Juvenile or the team, whatever was going on in the mix is that the reality is, is that Juvenile would die rather early. Uh, their tank switch up and bring in Primo has definitely worked out really well for them. Mm-hmm. I do wonder, though, like how they're going to deal with FNRGFE because I do, I kind of feel like matchup-wise, FNRGFE does certain things that are really going to mess with Renegades. And the biggest thing is just having a really good D.Va player and the way that FNRGFE has been controlling space, especially against a team like Renegades that does like running, say, their Fair Mercy a little bit more aggressively. That's been sort of their Achilles heel in the past, and I actually feel like this is a very tough first-round draw for Renegades, where they're an excellent team and they have good matchups against a lot of the other teams in the bracket, but I sort of think FNRGFE could be their kryptonite coming into this. Yeah, I, I just want to see Renegades what what they're picking, even hero wise, because you, you never really know. And for to have a good game plan coming in for that seems to be something that if they have to make swaps on the fly, that they they will switch off to some interesting things that oftentimes don't work out. Um, and then if they only bring one game plan, if like if they really are going to be relying, for instance, 
uh, it's very easy to predict that from the yeah. side of FNRGFE. So you have to have something else in your belt that you know is going to work. Yeah. If you guys didn't catch that highlight reel of Jesus on Widow, you guys need to check that out. That was pretty, <laughs> pretty sick. nuts. Yeah, on Anubis. Uh, I think that the interesting thing there is that the most impressive part were like the first two shots, yeah. but then you just get like the piling on stuff where it's just like, well, why not? Well, he had a few that were like coming out of the spot. I mean, he had a few that were pretty yeah. sweet at the end. But the fight was kind of one at that point anyway. Yeah, so, it was. So one like one. from that, it's sure. just like it's just like you get to the point of well, this is just showboating. But you have to complete I mean, it was that highlight, though. dude. You've got you know, you yeah. got to make sure you get all the kills in that highlight reel. You know, so you got to get them in as fast as possible. Okay, Team Liquid and Vision. So uh, I didn't get a chance to see TL this weekend. So how did they end up playing? I mean, Vision was solid, obviously, but is Team Liquid on the rise here, or they look only okay this weekend? Shatter with 15 ping. <laughs> no, I think they've been bringing oh, yeah. their tools to bear in some very cool ways. And yeah. I, I feel like they're definitely on the uptick. Where We okay, are going great. to see even more from them, potentially, with the you know Internet Hulk coming in. I think that that probably had a positive effect i guess we'll have to find out but um they 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 are looking more consistent than they've ever been because they've always been able to like play with the top teams and like pick a map or two off of them and then they it would consistently lose the rest and the roster change up has worked out well for them as well uh i mean I, ID was a player where, I mean, he has ups and downs, but I think sometimes the downs did hurt Team Liquid. Uh, I mean, wished all the best to him, but I think the change has been positive for Team Liquid. They clearly made some very positive moves right before uh, the group stages began, and they brought themselves from a team that was on the brink, almost didn't make it in, uh, the very last team to qualify, to a team that, you know, I'm not going to say Dark Horse for Team Liquid because they're too classy, because their logo is a horse, but... Uh, <laughs> a dark bear? Here, uh, <laughs> you know, like... Yeah. Uh, I think Team Liquid has decent chances of bringing to the finals. I think them versus either Renegades or FN or GFE would be really close if they get by Envision. I do think they're going to get by Envision just because, though Envision has looked good, I I don't know. Just based on the strength of what we've seen from both teams, margin of victory and all the rest, I just can't really see Envision coming in. But just you know, due deference to Hex here, let's never forget that Team Liquid has a nearly infinite ability to break our hearts. So. Yes. Well, well, whoever gets out of this bracket, I would say, you know, makes it to the finals, has a huge opportunity. You know, like I, I, any of these teams getting to the finals of an event is uh, you know, a great result already for them. And then if they end up pulling an upset of whoever's on the other side, it could be a great storyline. I would say this is that the best storyline for me is still the FNRGFE storyline because if they do get to the finals where you have yeah. a case where, oh, you're the number two team in contenders and you don't Absolutely. have a sponsor, I mean, oh, yeah. their phone is going to be ringing off the hook <laughs> with some great offers. So, I mean, you want to talk about paydays in motion. This is a case where FNRGFE can almost write their own paycheck if they are just able to really win two series. Yeah, yeah. barring that right. roster completely <laughs> falling apart, they are going to get signed. I I, I would give it under two weeks, it, it, especially if they can beat Renegades in the first round. If they could beat Renegades in the first round, I, I would give it maybe even before. Like this could happen before the before end of the tournament. <laughs> yeah, I mean this yeah. could happen this week. Honestly, like as long as the roster is like doesn't just self implode, they are going to get signed. I would hope it wouldn't happen that quickly, just because. Look at your contracts, people. Players. Get the aid of an agent, something to take a look at. Make sure you're doing this stuff right because I'm sorry, if you sign a contract that quickly, you are almost certainly not 
doing your due diligence and going through that contract and making sure that you're getting everything you want as a player is more. Like, I'll tell you, one thing I'd want as a team right now for FNRG FE's case with Overwatch League looming in the shadows and all the rest is that as a team is that I would want something in there and go, look, if you're going to sell me off to another team that like, because they might get a really good offer from a team that does again the Overwatch League, right? Yeah. I would hope that they put in their contracts and go, yeah, you know, for any buyout that you have in here, we get half of it or something along those lines. Because I can think of no more depressing situation for a team where they sign quickly into something where they get a lot of money. And then you have a situation where they end up finding out that some Overwatch League team has paid for their rights for, you know, half a million dollars or something. I'd be like, that, that would be a little bit of a buzzkill. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I hope that any team signings that go on, I hope the players protect themselves and they play a little bit of hardball with their contracts so they get what they're worth. Right, right. Okay, well, um, why don't we actually move on to... Um, well, there's a bit, little bit more of the contenders, which was just more so of just the community discussions. We're not going to go in too much in reviewing just how the tournament is because we, we kind of want to wait until the whole thing's over before we, we make an assessment. But uh, let's just... Don't do it. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying, don't do it, you know, just because I'm here. I actually probably have some... No, no, some no. It's more thoughts. like, I think Ben made a good point, just at least before the show. But but let's talk about at least a little bit of the discussions or the, the rhetoric that's been happening in the you know community and, and Reddit and everything. So I do have an announcement on that, by okay. the way. So let's talk about um, this midnight starting off. time for That's, well, that's the announcement that I have. <laughs> okay. I have an amazing <laughs> announcement. on the show. <laughs> Exclusive. Yes. I actually don't even think this is on the website yet. Um but we, we have moved the start time for NA. Um, so we're going to be starting at uh, noon. Noon. PDT. <laughs> noon. PDT. Okay. That's a big shift. No, that's, that's, that's a couple hours. So, so just to be clear, Reddit was saying that something starts at midnight. That would be the projected time for the finals. So the right. fourth out of four matches would have started then. So this is a this is several hours shifted earlier so that hopefully the finals will start closer to like 9 Thank goodness. Or 10. Gosh, and, and just yeah. to be clear too is that the those grand finals would have been at 9 p.m. Pacific time, which is reasonable yeah. for the West Coast, but it's just esports and I guess probably the just traditional uh, programming in the States in general has just bowed to the whims of uh, Eastern time for the longest period of time. So this is a case where the one time where you have it set more to the West Coast, everyone loses their minds. I mean, I understand it. it's a late and whatnot, but you have the other side where sometimes West Coast is like, well, I'm not even off work yet. Or, yeah. Right. So that, okay, that, great. that's one major thing. And, great. and yeah. that's something that you can control, you know, and that's, mm -hmm. we're looking at that. It's like, yeah. And, and, and the main reason we didn't do it earlier as well is, I mean, there's a lot of people, as it turns out, that have to be here at certain times uh, to make this work. And we just, you know, we had to make sure that, uh, you know, we, our makeup person could show up and make us look beautiful because it's very important. Uh, and just for reference God on the forbid, production. Yeah, we, uh, we definitely need her making people look beautiful here. <laughs> and just for reference on the production side of it, in terms of like how long the days can be um, on yeah. the NA day here. So we uh, left the hotel, uh, the casters, uh, yeah. we left at about 1.30 in the afternoon. So, of course, we had the be ready and stuff by one, uh, get to lobby, et cetera. And we ended up leaving the studio at 2 a.m. So it was a 12-hour day for the casters alone on the North American day. But you think about the production people, they have to get here way earlier. I think it was closer mm -hmm. to like a 14 to 15-hour no, yeah, day. Yeah, it was like a – I so, think that day was 16 hours for – 16 to 17 hours for the people that came. And so like – yeah, you start running out of hours in the day <laughs> to some extent. Uh, yeah. Like I, I wish we could do more as well. But like with World Cup coming up, and yeah. constricted timelines, and I think people overestimate. I think people fit well. We can we can talk more about this later, but um, the, there there is it's not nearly as easy as it sounds. Yeah, I well, there's definitely a lot of production, and when you're trying to fit it all into one or two days, 
it's definitely tough. And that, that's kind of when it brings to us to the question of we, you know, look, looking at how at least the group stages went and, you know, think there were a lot of things to talk about with like four game series and what that meant for the schedule, 16 teams. We obviously couldn't show them all. Um, you know, should we have more days next time around? Should there be like four days of, of matches well, maybe? Here, here's something to food for thought. This, so this is season zero. There's a few like miss or, uh, uh, things that people are perceiving incorrectly about the, this, but the next time questions are a little bit moot because this is really going to be the only event that's run like this. Yeah, true. Um, this this event was focused on the players, like providing an opportunity for the players first and foremost, and then after that, how can we make sure we we push as much of this to the community as possible? But season one is truly the start, so um, uh, that's where we really start getting rolling. And I mean, I think from here on out, the goal is to stream every match and to schedule it as such. But coming into this one with World Cup, we were like, okay, we only have five weeks to do this. We have this many teams. We want to make sure it's competitively relevant so that, you know, there's multiple um, double elimination group stage. That's a requirement because we don't want any one day flukes as much as we can manage. And we wanted to make sure we could have two open qualifiers as well to make sure that if a team got through or got knocked out early in an open qualifier, that all the good teams had all the options to get in. And um, so the focus was really on the players and starting to get into um, season one, the focus is still going to be on the players, but we're able to manage that a lot easier with the number of teams and and the amount of time that we have for that. I think one really good note there too, is that there's always trade-offs in production, right? And I think in this case, the trade-offs were definitely made more in favor of giving the players the best opportunity to prove themselves and get stuff in because obviously you could do something where maybe you have less teams and I know I'm not involved in the, any of these decisions regardless, but you know, the, just give an idea. So the perspective is that you could make it a much more viewer centered setup, but then under the time schedule, you would also have a situation where for the players yeah. now you perhaps have less opportunities because there's less teams and yeah. all the rest. No, and, and yeah, I think about the, comparing it to the, you know, yeah. carbon series. Cause you know, that was one of our first events and one of my first events, actually, I think really my first major Overwatch event. And when we were coming into that, we were thinking, we want to make sure we can do as much as we can. And we were only able to select a very few amount of teams. And that's how we made it work. So the fact that we, you know, we're trying to do this with 32 teams over two regions is like a huge difference. And so just keeping that in mind, I guess. And, and just to know on Carbon Series is that, uh, for Carbon Series, we had every game on stream. But the other thing too is that there were only six teams. There yeah. were a lot. Of, there were a lot. We there were a yeah, lot of, of teams that of were course. very upset that they weren't involved. Saying this was a great opportunity. This is one of the only opportunity or tournaments in the area. We didn't get to participate in Carbon Series, and there was a lot of yeah. very upset players that they didn't get an opportunity to play in that. But that was a case where you know it was a more independent project for Carbon, and it you know it it was very much focused on just showing every game there yeah. but the downside is that there's only six teams yeah yeah i mean it's clear that this season is about you know <sighs> just trying to learn from you know or making some mistakes obviously doing some things right seeing and learning from from each of those things uh but one thing i would have to say is that not showing like big matchups you know like big name matchups i think is one thing that probably needs to be figured out like ben i, I know like we, we didn't see like laserkins versus misfits you know we talked about it's like oh it sucked that we missed that one you know and and some yeah, of the other here's the thing about that is how many big matchups are there because i guarantee you there's more than four so i mean we had to miss some right and and another thing yeah. is you know we wanted to make well, sure we were 
Well, yeah. I mean, what was and en- what ended up being shown instead of that was definitely not up to that that rivalry for sure, right? Yeah. So, I, I don't I don't I mean, know from a production standpoint if it's just not possible with a given setup. I'm just saying that you know in the future, yeah. if it is possible to be flexible enough to just show whichever well, matches, and, very- and that's the thing is. In the future, this is a moot point because all of the matches are going to be shown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Is the plan anyway, yeah. right? And, and don't forget too, there is a trade-off there as well, where it's just like it, part, like if you were to show that match, when the trade-offs probably would have had to been like not showing anything from uh, Group B and going actually uh, the Group B storylines here with Toronto Esports and uh, LG Evil, you know, actually and Envision and all the rest. It's actually, yeah, the you guys don't get any games because people want to see this stuff more. Which, I mean was probably the more popular decision, but it, it's also, there. given that contenders, the goal is to try and promote all players equally and give them a chance to shine, that also would have been rough in some respects. Yeah. I think the biggest the biggest uh, argument I have uh, against, well, not against, uh, that's the wrong way of framing it, but <laughs> the biggest issue I had here, and I think in Harsha's article, same for him, was the lack of coverage for all these matches. And you guys say the schedule, the schedule, the schedule. We had to fit it in four weeks. World Cup's coming. But could you not have had a Thursday and a Friday broadcast to spread to spread things apart? Was that completely off the table? Like, why was that off the table? I mean, this is it, Blizzard yeah. we're talking about. They have infinite money to, to, to put into well, this. And we got... If we, only... If only throwing money at things made it um, work 100%. And I think I, I, I just want to address because like there's a lot of low level stuff that I I mean, even if I did know, I probably couldn't talk about. But um, I, I do want to just reference Harsh's article here because I think that there's there's something that's at the root of every single argument I've heard um, against um, and a lot. Yeah, I, I appreciate a lot of the feedback. I actually appreciate Harsha a lot. I think that he is very level headed and he thinks everything out when he uh, provides this kind of feedback. But from this article specifically, I think I found the root of the problem is in people's expectation is the first line of his article is for what was to be the savior for all. And I feel like, you know, with, with Blizzard, they make big announcements like Overwatch League and how it's going to be so great. And then we, you know, we get go into contenders and people had this expectation that this is going to save us. This is going to bring Overwatch esports to the golden age. And it's like, that was never the purpose of contenders. Um, and that I think is the, the root of the problem is that we have all these high expectations and I think that it's good to have high expectations moving forward, but realizing what this truly is and what this was meant to be, um, it, it's, it's unfair to, to say that this is, you know, this, this could, we, we can't expect all of our problems to go away magically with by throwing money at it. Um, and I, I think that that's really at the, the root of the, of the problem oh. here. And, that said, this is also just a starting point. This is this is where we're going to be going into season one, and I would say be more harsh maybe on season one because season one is truly where where things are going to get going. Uh, again, I, the the issue I take with that is this was barely a step in in like a new direction at all. Right. Though you guys did cool stuff with production, the commentary was yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, all the, I, I really appreciate yeah. the guy the fact that you guys are experimenting with all this free cam. Uh, and you know everything about the production was a step above what we've seen before. I, I completely agree with that. But in terms of the schedule, in terms of the format, in terms of the amount of games that were streamed, in terms of you know frankly the prize pool and and all the like the the fact that there's no land, Overwatch Contenders wasn't really an improvement on what we've seen. I, I'll put you know I'll put all the production value aside. Mm-hmm. That's my perspective, and I think that's where a lot of people are coming from, Harsha included, that, okay, I, 
he's being a little sensational in that article. <laughs> totally right. Yeah. But this wasn't really even a big step up. It was like yeah. a maybe a small step up at, at most, right? Yeah. I well, mean, do you I, disagree with that? Well, uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and answer. answer. I was going to say, yeah, I, I would agree on a lot of levels. But like I said, this was focused on the players. And when we're talking about a logistics standpoint, I don't want to get too far into it. But if we're using like the, the numbers of like the casters had a 12-hour day, the production people had a 16-hour day. Um, if you expand that beyond two days, you're looking at already 40-plus hours. Not to mention the fact that like myself, um, I, I just work every day, <laughs> all day. Like I was in here earlier for meetings, and I'll be working um, all day today. And uh, it li- literally is like physically impossible for our team anyway to do that. And when, if you look at the time frame that it took for us to put this together, unless, boy, I, I just can't think, unless they literally hired like, I, I can't think of a single way also, that they could have maintained this level of production consistency. Just one thing that mentioned. And had all these matches streams. One thing to bring up here, uh, also for Gil, is that people don't know is that. Yes, he's on the host for all these matches, but he also mm-hmm. was, of course, uh, affiliated with Carbon and part of the management. So his day begins a lot earlier than everyone else's where, yeah, the cast might have had a 12-hour day, but Gil also has to be here way earlier to help coordinate and produce. And then he still has to get looked pretty for camera and be somewhat presentable as well. So, I mean, Gil has well, definitely I mean, had uh, so, some long yeah. days. No, I, and I, and I, I guess I should say I, I understand and like I wish it could be different as well. But I also know that it couldn't have been different realistically um, without sacrificing a lot of quality, which is something that, um, well, first of all, Blizzard doesn't want to do. Um, I don't want to do. And also, like I said, the focus was on the players anyway. And so, you know, we're going to make it better in the future. But it, it, I I wish I could explain it more in more detail, yeah. but it, I, there's no way it could have been different. There's always a lot behind the scenes, guys. There's, there's uh, I, I totally understand and, that. And we definitely yeah. appreciate that. I mean, especially, Gil, we, we've known you've been part one of the organizers, <laughs> too, as well as you know the cast as well. But the, I mean, the one thing for me, at least another way of putting it, is just that you know, a lot of these things are not rocket science. Like we've done these things at, at other events, you know, like planning the planning for it. And if it's a short timeline, then there's, that's a problem right there. There shouldn't have been a short timeline for something as big as this, you know, like, so it just leads to planning in the, in the schedule, not necessarily you guys, because you guys are given this amount of money, do this in five weeks, like make it happen for us. I, you know, yeah. making the best of it. I totally understand that. But in terms of blizzard, it just needs to be thought out better. You know, if you're going to hype something up like contenders, even season yeah. zero needs to be executed at a high, high level. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, and that, I, I can understand that perspective uh, for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, it, it, using that, I guess we wouldn't have had contenders um, would have been the alternative. Right. And the most I'll say here too is that, I mean, the one thing that is a positive sense, I mean, Overwatch has incredibly passionate fans already. And it, it's already gotten to the point where the expectations are such that, you know, people have already developed strong attachments to these players and teams. So I definitely understand where player, where people watching, they want to, they want as much as possible. And it's just a matter of ramping up to, you know, provide that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we've uh, talked about contenders enough for, for so this I could episode. talk about it forever. Yes, I know. Well, we will, <laughs> might have to have you back next week to talk about more. Uh, so let's move on to Apex Season 3, which is, you know, wrapping up, getting into the semifinals here. And we've actually got a Western team to continue talking about because Envious is uh, continuing yes, thank on. thank you. Not beating X6, so getting revenge on X6, but not only getting revenge, uh, just dominating X6. So, um, yeah, I mean, 
what changed there? I mean, just the way they performed on even some of the same maps, like like Hanamura. I mean, it's just like back to the old envious, just literally rinse and repeat with Sombra and the EMPs and just destroying the good team and holding and things like that. Um, yeah, what did we see that was different here? Like Ben? You know, I, I I did watch the matches, but I'm trying to remember exactly what ha- what transpired. It, it was like a, what uh, almost a week ago at this point. Um, uh, in terms of the games themselves, I mean, Effect just continues to prove yep. his utter and complete dominance. This guy, and I've said this now for like seven weeks in a row. You can't have a good team without a god tracer. You can't have a top tier team without like a top tier tracer. It's just, it isn't working like that in the current meta. She's too strong. She's too versatile. And Envious has that player now. I mean, they, they had, they had Harry hook. They had time who could flex into that role. They've had people throughout time, throughout their, their existence that could play that role at a high level, but not at the highest level. And I think this is really just catapulting them forward. And I think they had effect for, they had effect for that, for that, first game mm-hmm, against they did. six it was, but yeah. it was one of their you know it was early on uh after mm-hmm. effect joined the team relatively they played they played quite a bit with them it's, that well it's been it's been a yeah. month since then so you know they have had more time to settle together right so i will take umbridge is one thing you mentioned there and it's a slight tangent but i don't even though tracer is really good she's also a hero that has been relatively untouched i think we have to be careful about going well this hero is too strong needs to get nerfed and i'm just gonna reference uh, papa jeff's post in regards to just mentioning <laughs> yeah. reinhardt where reinhardt really hasn't been changed that much and goes reinhardt he's you know too good and then people go actually the strategy of play is work out really well tracer works out really well with how people are playing right now and in general is one of the heroes in the game that has a very high skill cap a lot of room to maneuver with but i mean there are potential ways that the meta could evolve and go a bit away from it right now. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where if you're the change, anything, maybe nerf pulse bomb charge rate a little bit, but I, I just think you have to be careful and ask you for nerfs on stuff, especially when it's coming off the part where someone has just become really, really good at a character where it's less that the character got buffed in some way or over buffed, but just that people have gotten very good at the character. I, th- I think talking about effect, effect is absolutely something we've been talking about for the last I mean, four weeks now, and that, that has been a huge difference for Envy, Envious, but I think it's remiss of us not to talk about everybody else. I mean, Chips is playing phenomenally right now. I mean, I think Coco's playing great. Mickey's playing great. Uh, Harry Harry at times will have his moments in, where he's you know does something just barely off like missing a, a, a drop in the beat like by a half second or something like that uh, but you know we talk so much about Taimu and in effect that those guys I, I don't think get enough credit and right now they're playing at a crazy high level too so um you know that's that's why they're able to I mean that's why they just crushed X6 I mean I think the first time they played I think that um effect leading into that was cra- just absolutely amazing so they just had an off day I think that's what it ended up leading to against X6 well, you see that more and more in Overwatch in general, where, again, I mean, you need look only at the Misfits Laser Kid and Saga, where they are simply trading off days where they're good against each other, that, yeah, for Overwatch in general right now, you do have volatility, and it, sometimes it can be as simple as one player having a good day or a bad day. Oftentimes, there's a little bit more factors that go into it, but, I mean, you see it in traditional sports all the time, where even a player like LeBron James will occasionally go out onto the NBA court and lay a gigantic turd doesn't do well it can happen to the best of people in most traditional sporting venues so i don't think people should be too surprised that a team comes out and maybe they don't have the greatest day because Mm -hmm. that's sports 
yeah, we're seeing Taimu playing Somber too, which is pretty cool. Uh, but anyways, they advance to the semifinals. They're going to be playing KDP next. So that's, man, I, I, I feel like the winner of that one is going to win the whole thing. Maybe, maybe mm. Lantakai has something else to say or maybe AFB, but I feel like the, this next semifinals, at least with them, will be the winner. Uh, but what do you guys think of this matchup? You think Envious can pull, it, pull one over at KDP here? I my bias is gonna uh, just shine straight through. I certainly hope so. Uh, <laughs> I I can't wait. Like Lunatic High Envious Grand Finals. Oh, that's what I'm. We'll bring doing. all the hype. I yes. can't wait for that. Oh I, I need that in my life. So yes. I'm gonna be rooting that way. It, it would be nice to have uh, more of a classic finals. I don't know. It's gonna be difficult. I mean. Again, I, I've almost lost faith in my ability to predict stuff in Overwatch with all the back and forth that we have. Uh, I mean, I, I have to deep dive a little bit more in the Envy's recent games. I, I'd say that anytime you have a Tracer that is playing a, as well as Effect is, that mm -hmm. it can be hard to predict just how a matchup will go down. Still a possibility, I think, though, that KDP ends up getting through. Uh, seems pretty close, honestly. It's like a crazy and I'll just note that, um, that Effect said in an interview that his communication is was not where it needed to be in the earlier on, and he's actually getting better at English over time. Awesome. And also, SV Pass uh, in chat is saying, Kai Kai tweeted that he would declassify why there was such a big difference between those two matchups, between those two teams, <laughs> after Apex. So we'll hopefully get a little bit more information on that. But oh, yeah, Kai -Kai. I think only up for this team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I'm excited. Yeah, it really depends on... I think it'll be interesting to see which Lunatic High shows up, too. Because, you know, we clearly saw the good Lunatic High, you know, when, in terms of knocking out LW Blue... <laughs> But we'll see if they can continue on and get hot like they did last season, where they just, you know, showed dominance. Eska obviously stepped uh, up his play like towards the end of last season, and we can see if they uh, can do it again. Look, okay, man. Sometimes you think that you want every matchup to be a left guy match, but sometimes right guy rears his ugly. <laughs> and, and, and it happened. Okay. <laughs> That's true. That That's evil true. son of a. Yeah. So definitely check those out. The VODs are always on twitch.tv slash OGN Global. Uh, also, the uh, Contenders ones are also on uh, twitch.tv slash Overwatch Contenders. We didn't get a chance to plug that. Check them all out. They're always there for you guys. Uh, but right now, I want to give a shout-out, or not really a shout-out, but just remind you guys that you can listen to the overview on audio podcasts uh, channels like iTunes and Google Play and SoundCloud, too. So definitely check that out. And if you do enjoy the podcast, uh, leave us a five-star review because it really helps out in terms of SEO on iTunes. People trying to find Overwatch or they type in Overwatch in the search, they can find Overview, at least ranked higher. So it uh, helps us out and it only takes a minute or two. Um, all right, so why don't we go into a couple questions? We've got time for a couple here that have been emailed to us. If you guys are interested in emailing your questions, go ahead and do that, theoverview at chainmanv.tv. So we've got Offline. That's, that's his actual name <laughs> i was listening to your last episode and i couldn't help but notice that you haven't mentioned sombra as a strong counter to diva since last episode we talked obviously a lot about diva and just the matrix and everything her hack and of course her emp uh, can easily take care of diva's matrix and or boosters i think you were too focused on damaging diva and forgot you could just disable her it's always shocking to me as a sombra main that she is always out of the equation however i think that now they nerfed Hog, they should just get defensive matrix to, to its own state, where it was canceling the hit scan projectile a meter or two out of the gun muzzle. Anyways, thanks for the podcast and keep up the good work. Okay, so let's just talk about Sombra as a diva counter. Um, how effective is she? I, mean, I, I would just say, as someone that 
doesn't play a lot of Sombra. I could be totally off the mark here, but my my interpretation of how to play Sombra well is you have to be playing her on points where there are easily accessible health packs. Otherwise, she's really not being used to her full potential. That means you can only use her in limited situations. Diva, however, can be used in all situations. I mean, that's my super simple take. CP, what do you think? I think that uh, it's actually pretty difficult to get hacks off on D.Va in general, right? Because, first of all, is that, I mean, it, it's not impossible, but remember, Sombra's hack gets canceled if she takes any damage in the attempt. And one thing D.Va's really good at is laying down damage in the general area to make sure that you're going to hit shots. So, I mean, yeah, if you could get a hack off on D.Va and have it coordinated, I, it could work out. But I think that the idea that you're just going to walk in, hack the D.Va, and have everything go your way isn't exactly reflective of reality of Overwatch, where getting a hack off like that without an EMP is a lot more difficult than people probably give it yeah. credit for. Yeah, and, and with an EMP, you know, you're going to win that fight, maybe. But I, I think it kind of comes back to something you were just talking about, Fishsticks, is where are you playing her? Because it's more of a, when I think of counters, I mean, the first thing is, am I is it valuable enough for me to pick it, you know, at, at any given moment? Am I going to be, like, playing, if I see them playing D.Va, am I like, oh, I need to get on Sombra. That's probably not going to be the first thing that goes through my head. It's probably going to be, okay, I'm on second Anubis, and my team knows how to use this strategy. Let's go ahead and pull it out because there's packs in the right locations, and we're going to play it well. And so it it would be a happy accident, the fact that now D.Va is nullified um, from that. It, it might be more of a reason to switch off of D.Va if you know a point is going to have that because – but even that, it's it's really not. I mean, there's no character oh, that's man. going to be better against EMP than yeah, you know, like specifically better against EMP than Diva. So yeah. I mean, why would you switch to something else, right? Uh, um, the other thing too about it is that you, what is your engagement point there? Where the the question there is just asking is that why don't you just hack the Diva and kill her? It's like, well, I mean, generally speaking, Diva comps tend to be more aggressive. They get into your face. Mm-hmm. Are you sitting there waiting for the Sombra to hack the Diva and then go and focus Diva after? I mean it. Overwatch engagements are a little bit messier than that to begin with, and single target hacks. I mean, they're more crimes of opportunity rather than <laughs> something that you can like always that. reliably yeah. get done. It's a case where I'm coming in for a flank on the support doing this, and oh, maybe I can hack the diva here. Versus, I'm going to go in and I'm just going to hack the diva, and everything about engagement is going to go super great. Yeah, Sombra's yeah. hack, her right click is like actually probably her least mm-hmm. useful ability of, out of everything else, to be honest. But. Yeah, icing. But we are seeing her a yeah. lot more, and we're seeing teams be able to streamline her her EMP charges. I mean, we've seen. I mean, there was definitely multiple times where it was literally she was able to charge up EMP at least in that envious match. Every time they came through, like, like Taimu yeah, almost, like almost had an MP every, every time they fought. And the one time he didn't have it, they ended up taking the point. So and, it was, and obviously it was, this is going to look different in your competitive queue experience. <laughs> of course. So, you know, Sombra might be a little bit more viable if you're really ridiculously good and can tell your team, please just go to that health pack. Um, but yeah, you know, pro yeah. play, that's kind of You can barely even get, like, your Mercy is <laughs> able to, uh, people going over <laughs> health packs instead of you letting your Mercies charge up. So it's going to be even harder with Sombra's. Um, okay, we got another question here from Devin. So, um, just to show we have some love for console folks, guys. Love the show. I am a GM console player, and I was wondering what the group's thought, uh, I guess, is on uh, balancing console and PC separately. For example, Fair and Tracer are really good on console because we don't have the aim like people would on PC. So, we can't just 
switch to Widow McCree for a good counter until you get into the top 500, where there are really good McCrees, I guess. So, um, yeah, I guess general concept, balancing, you know, just having the game be a little bit different on the two different platforms. What do you guys think? Ben? It has to be. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I have no qualms with that. I mean, they already did it yeah. with Torbjorn, right? Uh, they did it with Torb and yeah. Sim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have absolutely no qualms with that whatsoever. I think it, it's a different platform, different mechanics. Yeah, do it. There's just realities of playing with a controller that limit your ability to do certain things with heroes that you can do with a mouse and keyboard. Uh, it's a case where there's a lot to be said for people that enjoy playing with a controller. It's a different type of skill to be sure. But if you're going on just raw ability to do crazy things, especially with hit scan heroes, a controller is never going to give you the same level of accuracy, which means that the output of a McCree or a Widowmaker or a Soldier on console is never going to quite match what you're going to be doing on a PC for a whole host of reasons. So that means that if you wanted, you either have to bring Overwatch console on sort of its own balance path entirely, or you have to sort of look at and go, well, on PC, McCree is doing this much damage because of this, but on console, maybe it needs to be doing more to compensate for the fact that it's harder to hit shots. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, the balance thing there is uh, definitely it, a difficult equation, but I think it's, for me, I definitely agree that console probably has to be treated somewhat differently. Yeah, especially if they're having these leagues, right? They're full-out leagues for, for the you know Xbox as well as PlayStation. So um, you know, from a competitive standpoint, yeah, they absolutely need to balance it for, for console differently. Um, okay, well... Core chat says uh, okay. most of the top 500 use mouse and keyboard on... Oh, on, uh, that's true. You can. You can totally plug in mouse yeah, and keyboard. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, that. it's not... It's not... Re- that's such an interesting stuff because, like, you can make the argument like, would you be allowed to use that at a console tournament? The answer many times is no because you're talking about the idea of mouse and keyboard interpreters, basically, where they try and give you the best mouse and keyboard output that a controller can put out but you're still not getting the response oh, is that how it works yeah. i didn't know that yeah. okay wow no, you can, you can, like math, unless, acceleration unless stuff. i'm horribly misinformed here i don't think you can just plug in a mouse and keyboard but they have sort of intermediaries that will translate mm. your mouse and keyboard to controller inputs but yeah. you can't flick your mouse and have that be translated one-to-one controller controller is supposed to play by the rules of because controller it, it still uses yeah the joystick acceleration and once yeah. again not an expert i have actually i did buy one of these adapters a long Cheater. time ago, so I could play with my roommates because I just got super pissed off as an FPS player on PC when we would like casually play <laughs> FPS on feels Xboxes. terrible, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was like, oh, I'm much better than this. Yeah, I, I almost self admit that I've had difficulty getting into console FPS games just because I grew up on mouse and keyboard. And mm-hmm. I, for me, I just I love the control scheme of mouse and keyboard heavily. And uh, but I do respect the skill that controllers take. Uh, there's absolutely a uh, skill involved in using them. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, that's going to be wrap everything. That's going to wrap up this episode. Great episode. We flew through all these things, <laughs> and and uh, you know, Gil. Every time you're on, man, things just flow. You know, it, it wow. seems, we seem to get a lot, lot done. So I'm going to wow. have to have you on more, buddy. But uh, uh, actually, uh, uh, Chairman, it's yeah. it's been four hours. It's just it's a, <laughs> uh, it's the the presence. It's the presence. It's, it's the Overwatch contenders coming to the overview, basically. <laughs> uh, I want to do some shout-outs. Uh, we'll start with the left guy, Gil. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to shout-out Brooke, uh, the makeup per, uh, girl. She uh, <laughs> makes us look really good. Working miracles. Um, day in. It, it's, it's like almost startling uh, sometimes, I think, how 
um, how, she, how she makes us look. Um, some of us more than others. Well, I mean, we, we know there's limits to working miracles. I mean, my face is still on camera after all. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, definitely shout out to all the staff that has been working at Contenders. As we mentioned earlier in the day is that, yeah, I mean, even on the casters, we might have long days, but the production guys have been putting in tons of work, and uh, I can't really praise them enough for the work they've done in the back. So uh, big shouts to them. And also Twitter. What is your tw- – I follow you on Twitter, but what is your Twitter? It's oh, Gilfrost. At yeah. Gilfrost. Okay, there's no, no numbers Shocker. there. Yeah, it, right. It's not at yeah. Gilfrost. You should just get Left Guy. You should seriously you get Left Guy. Wait, I'm I've, been, I've been pressured into that, but my identity is Gil, so I, it's yeah. so hard. No, your identity is Left Guy. <laughs> And my new identity is, yeah. Uh, shameless self-plug, follow at Tempo Ben, you want to do uh, shout-outs? Uh, yeah. Uh, guys, know that when I'm giving harsh criticism on contenders, it's coming from a place of love. I think you guys are doing an awesome job. Been enjoying all of the games thoroughly. Of course, there's room to grow. And that's why we're going to be critical on this show. That's that's the whole we're point. We're passionate of it. But about it. That's looking forward to next job. weekend because Contenders Finals is going to wrap up. Uh, super excited to see what the hell happens. Wait, can you actually? So the top eights are both going to take place this weekend. Is that correct? Yeah, it, it all ends this weekend. Yeah. yeah. So the so top eight for NA is going to all happen. Then they're going to do the the lower the lower relegations to figure out who moves on, and then that those top six are going to do a bracket with. With uh, or sorry, that oh yeah, that, right. I'm I'm thinking <laughs> okay, about this so wrong. Six, yeah. I'll, I'll make this simple. Yeah. Six teams from after Sunday, we will have yeah. our six teams that will feed into Contender Season One, and they will be joined by Rogue yes. and Envy, okay. who got it, got it, got it. were auto seated in the Season One because they're playing in Apex, or at least we thought right. they would still be playing in Apex. So, so they got the benefit of the doubt. We're gonna get to see uh, Rogue and Envy just completely smash everyone. It's gonna be no. Uh, I'm excited. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, um, that's pretty much it. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, Fishsticks. All right, uh, thanks to all three of you guys for doing the show, and same here. You know, I think we're super excited about just Overwatch right now and just everything that's going on. Can't wait to see the finals of all of these things culminating in the next week or so. So, uh, so if you're a fan of Overwatch, this is a great time <laughs> to to catch as much as you can. Uh, you can check again. You can catch all the vods on Twitch.tv and just all the different channels that I mentioned before. Uh, you can follow this show at the Overview GG on Twitter. I myself at ChamMV, and you can find the vods at YouTube.com/ChamMV a little bit later. Find all the old episodes there too. And just another reminder: you can listen to us on the way to work while you're working out on your iPhone or iPad or whatever on iTunes. And the way you find us, type the overview or Overwatch, and you'll find us. And yeah, subscribe to that. Um, but that's going to be it, guys, for the overview episode sixty-five. So for Gil Frost, ZP, Fish Sticks, and myself, Champion V, we'll see you next time. Later. <laughs> <laughs>